And thank you all for being here this morning. We greatly appreciate your presence with us. You had a lot of options today, what to do with your Sunday morning. You could have slept in. You could have gone to brunch. Is that a thing? Do people go to brunch? People go to brunch, right? You could have gone to brunch. But you made a choice to be here, and we greatly appreciate your time with us today. As a church, we've been doing something since the fall. We've been going through this thing that we are calling the Jesus Series. That's our very creative name for this thing, the Jesus Series. And so this Jesus Series involves a reading plan, and it involves small groups, and it involves messages on Sunday morning, but it's a very simple thing. During the week, we encourage you to do those little readings that are listed in your bulletin. It's usually a chapter or less about those readings. And then you show up here Sunday morning. I'm going to talk about something that you read during their week. And so that's what we've been doing as a church. And the, like, the weird reason that we're doing this is because we as a church, we're just trying to get to know Jesus better, right? We want to know him better. Not what people say about Jesus or what people think about Jesus, but let's read about Jesus and hear his words. Let's hear him speak. What did he actually say and what did he actually do? And so that's what we're doing as a church so that we can become better equipped to share Jesus with other people. And so that's what we're doing together as a church. As we have made our way through the Jesus series up to this point in time, we have seen something in the life of Jesus. We have seen that there is no disease, no illness, no sickness that is too big for Jesus to heal, no problem that's too big for him to solve. And when he encounters people who are sick and when they plead to him and when they ask for healing, they are healed. And so we've seen him heal the sick. We've seen him drive out demons. We've seen him perform these miracles one after the other. There's nothing that's too big for Jesus. He never fails to drive out the demons. He never fails to heal the sick. The same thing cannot be said for his disciples. And today we're going to look at an occasion where his disciples struggled to perform a miracle. And a lot of you in this room, you know me and you know my story. I grew up going to church. I grew up in a Christian home. I was a church kid. You know how it works when you're a kid. You go to church because your parents make you. That's how it works. And so as a church kid, I learned a lot of stuff about God and Jesus and church and the Bible and heaven. And I was taught a lot about the importance of faith, the importance of prayer, the importance of belief. And as a child, I was taught things like, if I have faith as small as a mustard seed, I can move mountains. Were you ever taught that? Like, that wasn't some Sunday school teacher making it up. The Bible says that. In fact, those are Jesus' words. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. That's what I was told. I was told that all things are possible for him who believes. Again, that's not just some teacher making it up. Jesus said that. I was taught that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said that. I was taught these things about belief. I was taught these things about the importance of belief and having faith, and you need to have faith. And I was taught that Jesus said whatever we ask for in his name, he will give to us. He will do for us. And so I'm very, very young growing up in a church setting and being just like all these ideas thrown at me, and some of them actually would stick and others would not, right? That's how it works when you're growing up. And so I'm starting, and this is how it goes when you're growing up, you start to develop your idea, your understanding of who God is and how all this faith stuff works. And so I'm believing that all things are possible. I'm believing that if I have enough faith, I can move mountains. I'm believing all these things, but there was a little problem. My experience wasn't lining up with what I was being told. I was like, wait a minute. If I can do all things, and if I, anything I ask for I can have, then then why aren't things always working out? Why are some prayers going unanswered? 
one of my earliest memories, I don't think I've ever told this story out loud before, one of my earliest memories is my mom took me with her to visit some family friends. My parents, they were friends with a couple, I'm very young at this point, four, maybe five years old, they had a couple of friends, I forget the wife's name, but the husband's name was Carl, and Carl was very sick, like on his deathbed, sick. And so my mom took me to visit those friends. They lived in a little apartment in Holmes. I passed by it all the time. And uh, we walk into this apartment, and the hospital bed was set up right in the living room. And the, um, the room was very dimly lit. And this was a big experience for me because as a kid, I'd never been around anyone who was dying. And that's what this man was doing. He was dying. And you hear the machines going off, and he's hooked up to monitors, and he can't speak. And my mom was just there to visit her friends and to pray for Carl. And so she prayed for Carl. She prayed for his healing. And I just kind of stood there awkwardly. There was nowhere to sit because the bed took up the whole space. And, and so those prayers were finished, and we left that space. And I really didn't talk to my mom or anybody about that experience. But very shortly after those prayers were lifted up, and very shortly after we visited Carl, he died. What gives? Jesus, all things are possible. Didn't you say that? Isn't that what I'm told? All things are possible. So, so why did this man, why did this man die? Where's our miracle? Did you ever feel like that? Well, where's my miracle? And so many of us people, we try to like have faith and, and we're pursuing Jesus and, and we might even be ready to call ourselves Christians or maybe even call ourselves disciples and we follow Jesus and we ask Jesus for big things because we believe. But sometimes Jesus doesn't deliver and that can be so discouraging. In fact, there are some people that you know or some people, maybe you're here this morning, who have had experiences like this. You had faith. You used to believe, but then God didn't show up for you the way that you asked, and God didn't show up for you the way that you wanted. That is a big reason why people leave the faith, why people leave the Christian community. I thought, I thought if I just prayed that God would deliver. I thought if I just had enough faith, then God would do for me what I asked him to do. So why? Why doesn't it work that way? Let's take a look at the Bible passage this morning. Now, Walt read for us a few verses from chapter 9 of Mark. I'm going to ask you and encourage you, if you have a Bible with you or a Bible app, to open that up to Mark 9. So I'm going to give you a little bit more context surrounding uh, those verses that Walt read for us. And so I'm in Mark 9, and we're going to begin with verse 14. And so let's set the stage here. And so what has happened is Jesus has just taken three of his disciples with him, and those three disciples witnessed something very unique. They witnessed a miracle. They witnessed what we call the transfiguration. They saw Jesus transformed into his glorified state. They saw him not just as a man, but as God. They had this amazing experience with Jesus. And then it's time for them to return back to the rest of the disciples. Here's where we pick up, Mark 9, verse 14. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet them. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And so Jesus is rejoining his disciples, and he's met with a ruckus, an argument. What's going on here? Does that ever happen to you? 
Maybe you come home from work and you pull into the driveway and there's like just noise in the house and you think, I'm just going to sit in my car an extra minute. Is that, is that just me who does that? All right, maybe it's just me. But Jesus is rejoining his disciples and it's not, hello, we've prepared you a lunch. No, it's, a, it's an argument. There's a debate. There's some kind of scene unfolding here. Jesus says, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And so here's the scene. And so we don't know exactly what the conversation was before Jesus showed up, but you have the disciples there, and then you have the scribes, okay? Some translations say the teachers of the law. And so you've got the religious establishment along with the disciples of Jesus. I don't know what they're arguing about. Perhaps they're saying you're doing it wrong. That's not how you heal someone. That's not not how you do a demon exorcism. I don't know what's happening. But Jesus shows up. And the father of the boy speaks up and says, here's the problem. My son, he's possessed by a demon. I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything for him. Verse 19. You ready for verse 19? And he answered them and said, oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Do you know Jesus said that? Those are the words of Jesus. And some people think, well, see, that just shows us that Jesus was human. He was expressing his humanity. And we all can feel that way of like kind of frustrated with people. And so he was just being human. I don't think so. I think this is an expression of Christ's divinity. Here he is, perfect in nature, dealing with us, <laughs> with people who are slow to believe with people who have witnessed miracles and yet slow to to have faith. And you have to remember, at this point in time, Jesus has done so much, and yet people are still unbelieving. Nobody's put that quote of Jesus on a bumper sticker, have they? How long shall I put up with you, Jesus? Oh, that's motivational, right? But that's, have you felt that way? Come on. Have you felt that way at work? Come on, I've got to put up with these people. How long? Jesus felt that way. Listen, there are times where we need to be chastised. Nobody likes it, but it's true. There are times where we need to be rebuked. You like that word? That's a fun word. But we don't want it, but it's true. Jesus is saying, what is, what's with you guys? How long am I supposed to put up with this? Bring him to me, he says. They brought the boy to him. When he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion and falling to the ground... He began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, and he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Now, Jesus, one of the titles for Jesus is the great physician, and this seems like a very clinical type of question. You've brought me a patient. How long has this been going on? Now, Jesus, he already knows the answer to this question. In fact, There's no such thing as a question that Jesus doesn't know the answer to. Whenever he asks a question, he already knows the answer in advance. That's how it works with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whenever God asks a question, he already knows the answer. And so for the sake of those around him, this is clarified. This has been happening since childhood. Verse 22, the Father continues to describe, It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, 
if, I'm sorry, if, if you can, what are we doing here? Jesus, at this point in time, he has turned water into wine. He has healed leprosy. He has healed the paralytics. He has given sight to the blind. He has opened the ears of the deaf. He's walked on water. He's multiplied the loaves and the fishes. He's raised two people from the dead at this point in time. And this guy rolls up to him and says, well, can you do this? If? What are you talking about? If? If you can? Are we serious right now? There's no if. Of course he can. If you can. And he tells us all things. These are the words of Jesus. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Ah, there you go. And that's a beautiful, wonderful, sincere expression from this father. I do believe, at least in part, if there's something in me that's doubting or that's not sure, just help me with that, God. Can we learn a lesson from that? To have that feeling of, God, I need more faith, or I, I don't want to doubt, but I'm having doubts, so I'm not pretending not to have doubts. I do have doubts, but just help me in my doubts. Get me through them, God. It's a wonderful expression from the Father. Help me. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him. And he got up. When he got to the house, his disciples being and questioning him privately, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer, if you can. And so there is Jesus presented with this, this boy who is ill and this father who believes at least in part and wants to believe all the way. And Jesus explains that all things are possible for him who believes. And on this occasion, Jesus gives this father exactly what he's asking for. Heal my son. And he does. And it's dramatic. There's a convulsion and the people think this kid is dead and then he raises him up. He was healed. Now, to give us some context on what's going on here, before this point in time, Jesus had already sent out his disciples, and he told them to go, and they were to perform miracles. Jesus gave them a power to perform miracles and to raise the dead and to preach the gospel. He has already sent them out, and we don't have a list of all the miracles that the disciples perform, but they perform some, but then they get to this situation, and they can't, and they're puzzled by this, and quite frankly, so am I. And so are we. Like, well, why, why was this such an issue for them? And it's speculated that perhaps the disciples were relying too much on that power that Christ had given to them, and they weren't asking God for help. They weren't praying. They weren't tapping into prayer and asking God. And so the words of Jesus are clear. All things, not some things, all things are possible for him who believes so what gives? <laughs> so why don't we have all of our prayers answered the way that we want them to be answered? What gives? We move further into the New Testament. We meet Paul. 
Paul, this incredible man of faith, this incredible man of belief who has done more for the kingdom. I mean, probably the most significant contributions to the church were made through Paul. He wrote most of our New Testament, and Paul is sick. He gets sick. He's got some kind of an ailment that's not specified. He calls it a thorn in his side. Maybe it's some kind of, of, of physical uh, problem. Maybe he had some distortion around his eyes, or maybe it was something related to his stutter. We don't know exactly what was wrong with him. But this great man of faith, like the hero of the New Testament, this great man of faith, what does he do in this situation? He prays, God, take this ailment away from me. Take this thorn out of my side. And God says, no. And so Paul says, all right, well, I'll pray about it again. And the second time he goes before God and says, take this thorn out of my side. You know, God, I'm trying to serve you here. I'm trying to go from town to town to preach the gospel. I'm trying to help these churches get started. I'm trying to write these letters to correct the church problems. Like, I'm serving you over here, Jesus. Take this thorn out of my side. It would make me more effective in serving you. Heal me, Jesus. And Jesus says, no. And so a third time. <laughs> three times, a third time it goes before God, take this thorn out of my side and heal me. And God says, no, 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 no. He says, my grace is enough for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And my power, Paul, will be made perfect in your weakness. I'm not going to answer your prayer the way you want it to be answered. And he stayed with that ailment. What gives? What's going on here? This would be just a lousy place to end the sermon, wouldn't it? And I just walk off the stage. Well, you figure it out. See you guys. Here's the conclusion. Here's where I've landed on this issue. And it's actually, it's very simple. It's very simple, but maybe it's not easy for us to accept. Here's where I've landed on this. And this, this idea that I have, this conclusion where I've, I've landed here, it aligns with both Scripture and experience, Okay? So there's no discrepancy between the two. What I read in Scripture aligns with what I've experienced in life. Here's how this works. All things are possible, but all things are not guaranteed. All things are possible. There's nothing that's impossible for God, but all things are not guaranteed. Let me say it another way. Just because God can doesn't mean he will. I'm going to say that one more time for our note takers. Just because God can doesn't mean he will. God could have taken away Paul's disease. He could have taken away that affliction. But just because he can doesn't mean he will. Isn't that how you operate? There's things that you can do, but you don't. Just because you can do them doesn't mean you do do them. Just because you can doesn't mean you do. Several years ago, I was with my, my grandfather in the hospital. He was well into his 80s, and he was sick, and he was hooked up to machines, and he could barely speak, and the decision was made. It was time to move him out of the hospital into hospice care. And so I prayed for my grandfather. And do you know what I prayed? I prayed, God, heal this man. And you might think, well, what are you asking for? I mean, he's an old guy, and grandfathers pass away. That's how it works, right? He's old. He's sick. We're moving him into hospice. Why would you even pray that, God, heal your grandfather? Why would you even ask that? I would ask that because I know what God's capable of. I know what he can do. I know all things are possible, so why not ask? And so I prayed, God, heal my grandfather. 
Get him out of this bed. Give us a few more years with him. Give us another decade with him. God, heal this man. And so we said those prayers for my grandfather, and we went back to my grandmother's house, and we slept there, and early in the morning we got a phone call to come to the hospital, and my grandfather died. What gives? Just because God can doesn't mean he will. There's an old expression. Perhaps you've heard it. Don't, sow it. Don't say anybody else's no for them. Have you heard that? Don't say anybody else's no for them. Sometimes you hear that in sales. I don't want to make this cold call, this problem. This person will probably say no. Well, just call and let them say no. If the answer is no, let them say no, right? Right? Maybe you're younger and you're thinking about asking somebody out on a date. Well, I don't want to ask them out on a date. They might say no. Well, just ask them. Let them say no. And the same thing works with God. We don't know his will, the specifics of his will. I mean, there's so many things that are mysterious to us, but we know what he's capable of. Having faith means knowing and fully believing and trusting that God is capable of all things. We know he can do all things. We just don't know how. We just don't know if he will do certain things for us. Just a couple of years ago, I found myself in the same situation. I'm there with my mother. and She was very sick, and she had COVID. COVID became pneumonia, and she's hooked up to ventilators. She's hooked up to machines, and they have to, to put her on these machines to keep her alive, and I pray, God, heal her. And so many of you in this room, you prayed the same thing. We all, because we all prayed this thing because we know what God is capable of, and so we prayed for my mom. Mom, get out of this bed. Heal my mom. And then she died. She passed away. I know what God is capable of, but I don't always know what he's going to do. Just because he can doesn't mean he will. All things are possible, but not all things are guaranteed. King David, the hero of the Old Testament, the first great king of Israel, King David, you know, David and Goliath, that David, a great man of faith, he has a child. That child is very sick when that child is born, and so David prays. God, heal my child. God, save my child. And he fasts and he prays and he does nothing but pray. And that child dies. And after that child dies, King David gets himself up. He ends those prayer sessions. He gets himself something to eat. And he moves on with his life. And people are thinking, what is going on with you, David? You were so distraught while the child was sick. And he says, well, I didn't know God's will. I didn't know if God was going to heal this child or not. But I know what he's capable of. We know what God is capable of. All things are possible, but not all things are guaranteed. Several years ago, our family was in a situation. It was a very, a very traumatic period of about 24 to 36 hours. Our oldest, Lily, she had an accident in the grocery store, and she hit her head pretty good. She cracked her skull pretty good. And we got her to the hospital, and they said, you need to get her to CHOP right now. And they got a helicopter to take this kid to chop. They don't give out helicopter rides for nothing. And so they start prepping us, the parents. We're looking at the possibility of permanent brain damage. We're looking at a permanent disability. We're looking at these possibilities. And we're, Holly and I are looking at each other like, what are we going to do? This could change our lives forever. And so we start praying. We don't know how God's going to answer those prayers, but we began to lift up those prayers, and we tagged in everybody we could. Pray for our daughter. Pray that God will heal this child. Pray, protect her from this damage that could happen. And God healed her. And she's great. No brain damage. No disability. She's smarter than Holly and I combined. She's great. It all worked out, right? 
Now, some people will say, well, you didn't even have to pray that. She was going to be fine anyway. How do you know that? That's how people are. No, when God answers prayers, sometimes we're like, ah, no, that wasn't God. It just worked out that way. It was God. Come on. God sometimes gives us exactly what we ask for, and sometimes he doesn't. So what is it? What is it that you're not praying about that you should be? You feel a little gun shy? Well, I've prayed about these things in the past, and I'm just not sure what God will say, and so I'm not sure if I even want to pray about this. Just pray about it. Don't, don't say no for God. You let him say. If the answer is no, you let him say no. Keep on praying. You know, if you had an experience like this where God didn't show up the way that you wanted him to, all I can say to you is, same. It's happened for me too. And I'm sorry God didn't answer your prayers the way that you wanted him to. I'm sorry about that, and I don't know why. And listen, I could kind of give you the glib response and say, well, God's got a plan for everything, and that's true, but I don't know why God didn't answer your prayers exactly the way that you wanted him to. But I do know that God is capable of all things. Don't worry, oh man, should I ask for this? Should I not ask for this? Am I allowed to pray about it? Just pray and let God answer the way your prayers need to be answered. God will give you the answer that you need. God will give you the answer that you need. All things are possible, but all things are not guaranteed. And so if there's something you're not praying about that you should be, don't use that as an excuse. I don't know if God will answer the way. Don't worry about that. You just keep on praying and let God take on the burden of answering those prayers. The thing about this, you know, embracing the reality of how prayer works and how faith works, the thing about this is there's tremendous freedom. There is tremendous freedom for us. Once we acknowledge the reality that God is capable of all things, but, but all things are not guaranteed, once we acknowledge that all things are possible, but all things are not guaranteed, that frees us up to pray big old prayers, right? Just ask. God is capable of everything and anything, so just ask. Now, when we were going over the bulletin this morning, you can see how much we, we prioritize prayer in this church. Just ask. And let God do the answering. Faith. Faith is knowing for certain that God is capable of all things. So as a church, let's hold on to that complete and perfect faith. And let's trust in the fact that God can do all things. And let's bring, bring all of our big, bold, wild prayer requests before God. Amen? I invite you to stand as you are able as we join together in our closing prayer. Father God, we thank you that you have allowed us to come before you in prayer. We thank you that you have given us audience. And Lord Jesus Christ, we believe that all things are possible in you. We believe that nothing's off the table, that you are capable of all things. And, and Father, I'm reminded of the attitude and the, just the beliefs of this man who brought his son before you to be healed, and, and he was struggling with some unbelief. And so he even prayed over that, and so we lift up prayers. If there are doubts in this room, if there are struggles in this room, we just pray that you would alleviate those doubts, alleviate those struggles, and make us a people who do truly believe and know that you are capable of all things. Jesus, in this moment right now, 
Here are the prayers of this congregation that are being lifted up to you. And there are people here in this space that are standing up in this space and they've got prayer requests and they've been afraid to speak those requests to you. I just pray that you would end that fear. Let those prayers be lifted up to you. That's who we are, Jesus. We are people who lift up our prayer requests. And we know they're not demands, they are requests. Hear our requests. And we're going to continue to trust you to answer our prayers exactly the way that they need to be answered. Father, I want to thank you once again for this time that you've given us, a time to worship you and praise you and celebrate you. And now that this worship service is coming to its end, we pray that you would allow our worship of you to continue, Jesus. Let us worship you with our lives. Let us worship you by the way that we love and serve one another, by the way that we love and serve you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.